Life can be stressful, even under normal circumstances. 2020 has challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's Headspace. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research and can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Go to headspace.com slash C-suite for a free one-month trial. Headspace.com slash C-suite. guest today makes it extra special and you know I first met James Rickards a number of years ago but after reading his book Currency Wars and the Currency Wars really opened my mind to what's really going on in the world and things like this but the friends who know James Rickards what how they describe him and these are very smart guys and what these very smart guys say about James Rickards is that he's spooky smart, you know, and spooky smart is higher than just smart. And so I've, I've had the pleasure and honor to sit in the audience and listen to Jim speak. And he's like a fire hose. He just comes at you and there's no question of not but more than just his intelligence because there's a lot of intelligent people out there, but also his life experiences. For example, there's a lot of academics who know all the answers, but they haven't done anything. Jim's background is beyond anything I've ever seen before. So anyway, we have a very, very good show. Jim is going to be talking about his latest book, The Road to Ruin. So any comments about Jim Records, Kim? Well, I'm very excited. Um, if anybody is paying attention on the Internet and looks up Jim Rickards, James Rickards, you'll see also that uh, he made a major prediction on for September 30th, which is now coming on. And so we're going to find out what that prediction is because Jim has had a lot of predictions come right um, out of currency wars, the case for new case for gold. Um, he's made a lot of predictions that have come true. So um, when you say spooky smart that kind of it, it is a little scary because he does tell you what's really going on, and it's not necessarily the best news for a lot of people if they're not paying attention and not knowledgeable. Right. I would pay attention to what Jim has to say on this program. It's about the road to ruin, but we're already there. So anyway, welcome to the program, Jim. Welcome, Jim. Robert and Kim, thank you. It's great to be with you, and uh, I appreciate all the kind words, but I just want to say, uh, as someone who does uh, these kinds of interviews, what I really appreciate is a smart audience. Uh, an audience that is uh, kind of focused and tuned into what you're saying, and uh, that's definitely what uh, you guys have. So it's a pleasure to be on your show. What's this book, The Road to Ruin, about? Well, it's actually uh, part three or volume three of a projected quartet. So I'm working on a four-book project. The first two books that a lot of readers are familiar with, uh, Currency Wars, it came out in 2011. The Death of Money came out in 2014, and now The Road to Ruin. Uh, and the fourth book will probably come out in 2018 or so. We've got to get to work on that. All four books are about the international monetary system, but they keep bringing the story forward. So, for example, Robert, um, Currency Wars 2011, obviously discussing currency wars, too much debt, not enough growth, countries steal growth from each other by cheapening the currencies, etc. And I run into people today, uh, because currency wars are in the newspapers, you can read about, uh, you know, and online, uh, you can read about uh, you know, uh, Trump uh, talking about the Chinese devaluation and, and so forth. 
Um, and they say, boy, Jim, how did you know in 2011 we were going to be in a currency war in 2016? And my answer is, because we were in a currency war in 2011, it's the same war. It's just been going on for five years, which is what I said. So would, would you explain currency war to the average person? Because I think that's the most important thing. Like I said, what makes you super smart or spooky smart is your work experience. And when I read currency war, you had the cat's bird seat to look at what a currency war looks like with the Pentagon. Is that correct? That's correct. I, in, uh, even earlier in 2009, I had been asked by the Pentagon uh, Office of Secretary of Defense to help um, facilitate and then actually participate in the first ever financial war game. Of course, the Pentagon had been doing war games for decades. They didn't need help from me um, in staging a war game. But what's different is this is the first ever financial war game. And the rules were the only weapons you could use were uh, financial. So stocks, bonds, currencies, um, commodities, derivatives, uh, those were all fair game, but you weren't allowed to shoot at anybody. Uh, so the, the point is, uh, Robert, the very simple explanation is, um, you know, we have all, all these exchange rates around the world. So they, they don't happen all the time. They happen when there's too much debt and not enough growth. Debt is manageable if you have the growth to pay off the debt. But what happens when you have uh, a huge mountain of debt, which we do today, and growth is weak? You know, I'm saying 1%, 2%. When you have 3 or 4 or 5% growth, which we used to have in this country, you can, uh, you can manage your debt. But when you have 1% growth, if the debt's growing at 3% and your economy is growing at 1%, obviously your debt's growing faster than your economy, and eventually you'll be overwhelmed, exactly what happened to Greece and some other countries. So what countries do is to get a little growth, if they can't get it themselves, they steal it from their trading partners by cheapening their currency, make their exports a little less expensive. It's just like uh, having a 20% off sale at uh, Walmart or any local store. That's where the currency wars are. But the point is, it was visible in 2011. I could see it then. So it's not about having a crystal ball. I like to say the future is here today. Same thing in my uh, 2014 book, The Death of Money. I talk a lot about special drawing rights, these SDRs. That's the world money that comes from the IMF. And again, uh, you go online today or pick up your newspapers or magazines, and you'll hear all about SDRs. And people say, well, how did you know then that they were coming? And my answer is, again, I don't have a crystal ball, but the signs are all around us. The future is here now. So in the new book, The Road to Ruin, I do the same thing. I tell people what's going to happen two or three years from now. So, James, as I look at what you have on, online and, and all over the Internet, you, you did make this prediction of September 30th. So September 30th has come and gone, and you said this is going to be a monumental day, and it's going to change the way we look at money. So what, what happened on September 30th? Well, it did happen, uh, as we expected. Uh, not, uh, again, these things are out there, so you, you might have to go 10 layers deep on the International Monetary Fund website to find them, but that's, that's what I do. Um, what happened on September 30th at the close of business was that the Chinese yuan was added to the basket that makes up the special drawing right. Again, the special drawing right is this world money. And I call it world money because that's what it is. The IMF doesn't want to call it world money because they don't want to scare people. But that's exactly what it is. The IMF is not a country. It's a multilateral global organization that has a printing press that can print their own money. So that's why I call it world and money. What's the purpose of the IMF? Well, the, well the, it's a great question, Kim, because the original purpose has been forgotten and now has a new purpose. The purpose today is the central bank of the world. There's no other way to describe it. It's the, it's the Fed of the entire world, so that's one way to think about it. The original purpose was a little more technical. Under Bretton Woods, which was an international monetary arrangement from 1944, 
all countries had fixed exchange rates to other currencies. So the pound sterling, and they had the French franc at the time. This is before the euro. That was a fixed exchange rate. Everybody had a fixed exchange rate to the dollar, and the dollar was anchored to gold. The dollar was one thirty-fifth of an ounce of gold, or gold was thirty-five dollars an ounce. Same thing, and all those rates were locked in. So you always knew where you stood. If you traded with another country, you knew what their money was worth in terms of your money, and everybody knew what their money was worth in terms of gold. Now, occasionally, countries would get into a little bit of a deficit situation, and they would say, "Well, we want to fix our economy." And the IMF was a was a swing lender, almost uh, you know the way you get a bridge loan when you uh, buy a new house and the old house hasn't sold yet. The IMF would lend you some money, then you could fix up your economy and then improve your surplus and then pay the loan back. So they were they were the swing lender to keep the system intact. Well, in 1971, Nixon abandoned the gold standard. By 1973, the IMF abandoned fixed exchange rates. And then the exchange rates have been floating ever since. So they kind of lost that original purpose, but now they have a new purpose, which is, as I mentioned, uh, they're there with the printing press ready to bail out the entire world. The way, the way I think about it, and also part of uh, the road to ruin, Kim, is uh, a 10-year tempo of three financial crises. First one was 1998, and that was the one I was very involved in. That was long-term capital management in Russia, and I negotiated that bailout. So I had a front-row seat on that one. We were hours away, if not minutes away, from closing every exchange in the world. Every stock and bond exchange in the world would have shut down. Now, it didn't happen because we got the deal done. $4 billion came in propped up the balance sheet, the Fed cut interest rates, life went on, but it was an extremely close call. Very few people are aware of how dangerous that was. Now, come forward 10 years, 2008, same thing, Lehman Brothers, but we were days away from the sequential collapse of every bank in the world because Morgan Stanley would have failed next, then Goldman Sachs, then Bank of America, then Citibank. Who knows if J.P. Morgan might have been the last guy standing, we'll never know, but again, the Fed came in and bailed everybody out. Now, come forward 10 more years, 2018, or maybe sooner, maybe tomorrow, for the third crisis. But here's the difference. In 1998, Wall Street bailed out a hedge fund. In 2008, the central banks bailed out Wall Street. In 2018, if not sooner, who's going to bail out the central banks? Each crisis gets bigger than the one before, and each bailout gets bigger than the one before. The central banks can't bail themselves out now. They're the ones who are overleveraged. They're the ones who are stuck. And so that bailout's going to come from the IMF in the form of this world money. But the significance of September 30th was that China is now on the bus. China is now part of the world money. And they're going to have a lot to say about the future of the system. Okay. Once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki. We're listening. Our special guest today is James Rickards. He's a New York Times bestselling author and economist. His first book I read was Currency Wars. Then his second book was The Death of Money. And I loved his last book, April 2016, was a new case for gold. And if I could summarize what Jim is saying, is back in 1944, just before the end of World War II, the U.S. dollar became the reserve currency of the world, basically replacing the British pound. And the agreement was in 1944, the dollar had to be backed by a certain percentage of gold. Then in 1971, President Nixon took us off. He broke the Bretton Woods Agreement, and the economy boomed because you could now print money. Unfortunately, as we all know, the rich get richer and the poor middle class get poor when you can print as much money as you like. So today, the central banks, such as the Fed and the European Central Bank and the Bank of Japan and Bank of China, they're in trouble today. So the reason September 30th is such an important date is because 
as you say, Jim, and I, if I misquote you, my, my apologies, in the new case for goal, they have to kind of reestablish a new rules of the game. They have to kind of reestablish a new Bretton Woods. And the difference is this time is China is going to be sitting at that table. See, back in 1944, China was a third world poor country. And if I, if I understand you, what you said in the new case for gold is that China is now sitting at the table with the gold. And as we all know from the golden rule, he who has the gold makes the rule. So how am I tracking with you? Uh, you're tracking very well, Robert. That's a really, uh, really good summary. The only thing I would add is that uh, when you said they're, they're getting ready to rewrite the rules of the game, they are, but they're already rewriting them. The difference between what's going on now and Bretton Woods, Bretton Woods was at least open. There was a conference. Uh, they reported their results. They had a treaty. Uh, you may or may not like it, but it was all publicly available. What's going on now is going on, by and large, behind the scenes. Now, again, they do put it out on their website, but they bury it layers deep. It's all written in technical jargon. You have to be an expert even to find it, uh, let alone read it and understand it. But, that, that but is, that's, that's why you say The Road to Ruin, which is your latest book, is a global elite secret, secret plan. plan. The key is Correct. secret. Correct. And so it's, all these things are happening. I keep uh, kind of calling them out and shouting out. You know, the, uh, the sequence, you know, July 15, 2016, the IMF issued a paper on creating private SDRs, creating a private market in SDRs. August 2016, uh, they actually issued, the World Bank issued a multi-billion dollar bond issue, denominated not in dollars, not in euros, not in yen, but in SDRs. So this market is being created September 4th, 2016, the G20 summit meeting in Hangzhou, China, where they agreed to increase the voting power of the BRICS, including China. The BRICS are Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. It's an acronym. But their voting power is getting increased next year in 2017 September 30th 2016 the Chinese Yuan is officially included in the SDR so each one of these events so and I never say you know hey you know you're going to go to bed on September 30th and you're going to wake up October 1st and your money's going to be worthless that's not what's happening but these are this is like crossing a threshold every one of these dates that comes we cross another threshold and the point is there's no turning back these are all steps on what I call the road to ruin, really the ruin of, of uh, dollars and your net worth. Well, so what are some of the secret things that you think people should know? Well, here's one, uh, pretty straightforward, but very few people uh, that I know, almost none, are focused on it other than the elite participants. So right now, under the IMF, International Monetary Fund, Articles of Agreement, their governing rules, if you will, it takes, if you want to do something big, meaning uh, you know, issue SDRs or change the rules, it takes an 85% vote. Well, what that means is if anybody has 16%, they have veto power, because if, if I have 16% and I say no, then all the other 189 members together cannot get to 85%, because I'm blocking them with my 16%. Well, guess what? There's only one country in the world with 16%. That's the United States of America. So we have this veto power, and we've had it all along. But now what's happening is that... Take the BRICS as a group. None of them is going to get to 16%, but the BRICS as a group have 14.9%. They only need one-tenth of 1% more so that acting as a group, they have the same veto power as the United States. Now, in China, September 4th, 2016, at the Huangzhou G20 summit, they issued a final release. And again, you have to interpret the jargon a little bit, but they said 2017 
is one of those years. Every five years, the IMF changes the voting power. They have to do it every five years. It's like the Olympics, except it's every four year, uh, five years instead of four years. Well, 2017 is one of those years. And so in this communique, they said, in 2017, we are going to increase the voting power of the dynamic emerging markets. That means the BRICS. Well, if you're at 14.9, and you're going to get an increase, and by the way, those countries are 22% of the global economy, so their complaint has been, hey, we're 22% of the global economy, but we only have 14.9% of the votes, and the IMF has said, yeah, you're right, you need more votes. Now, they're not going to get to 22, but even a tiny fraction would put them at 16 or 17. That means they're going to have the same veto power as the United States. Now, let's just take it a step further. We're in the next financial crisis. I've already said that it's going to be bigger than the central banks. They used up all their firepower in the last one. They can't bail out the world again. So this bailout is going to have to come from the IMF. So on an emergency basis, with stock exchanges closing, your banks being shut down, ATMs being reprogrammed so you can only get $300 a day for gas and groceries, with everything falling apart, the world's going to turn to the IMF and say, we need 10 trillion SDRs to bail out the system again and reliquify the system. But the BRICS can sit there and say, well, we're not going to vote for that. We're going to block it with our new veto power unless you give us what we want. And what we want is the end of the dollar. And they've all said that. And the central banks cannot do anything anymore. Well, Mohammed El Aryan of PIMCO fame, he says that we're at a T-junction and we have less than three years. So let me read what Jim says on his book, The Road to Ruin. And and Jim Rickards is the New York Times bestselling author and economist. Uh, He's the author of Currency Wars, The Death of Money, The New Case for Gold, all highly recommended. And his latest book just out, The Road to Ruin, The Global Elite Secret Plan for the Next Financial Crisis, just out. Recommend all of them. Yes, I haven't read uh, The Road to Ruin yet, but this is the blurb sheet that comes with it. The thing says... Deep in the U.S. legal code, our government has granted emergency economic powers. Stock exchanges can be closed. ATMs shut down. Money market funds frozen. Asset managers instructed not to sell securities. Negative interest rates imposed and cash denied. In fact, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, took equally drastic action in 1933 by closing banks and confiscating gold. Any suggestions, Jim? Just in terms of what's actually going to happen, one of the points I make, and I think this is important to understand, all of the laws and all the regulations to lock down the system are already in place. When this panic hits, and I think it's going to be sooner than later, and that you can definitely see coming, the, the White House is not going to have to run to the Congress and say, hey, we need an emergency vote the way they did with TARP in 2008. We all remember that. Uh, that's not going to be necessary. These things are already in place. Very few Americans know that the United States has been operating under a state of emergency, basically, which allows the uh, imposition of martial law since mid-September 2001. Now, that was it right after the 9-11 attack. Everyone understands that at the time. President Bush declared a state of emergency. But President Bush and President Obama, for the last 16 years, have renewed the state of emergency on an annual basis. We're already operating under a state of emergency. There's something called the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, which gives the president dictatorial powers in an international financial crisis. And, of course, all the financial crises these days are international because the world is so interconnected. So when we talk about things like shutting down banks, shutting down stock exchanges, stock exchanges and so forth, they're not going to need a vote. I mean, this is already uh, locked in place. 
people say, oh, that would never happen. And what I remind them is they've all happened before. In 1933, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, closed every bank in America by executive order. Just issued an order, every bank was closed. In uh, 2000, sorry, 1914, from uh, July to November, sorry, December 1914, the New York Stock Exchange was closed for five months. At the beginning of a, there was a financial panic at the beginning of World War One. So my point being, all these things have happened before. And by the way, not the distant past, they've happened in recent years in Cyprus and Greece and elsewhere. So people say these things can't happen here. They they do happen. The authorities in place. Now, as a practical matter, what does this mean? People have money market funds. They say, oh, I'm not worried. I've got money in my money market fund. I can call my broker and sell some units, and the money will be in my bank account the next day. No, it won't. There's a new rule that says the SEC is allowing money market funds to suspend redemptions. They don't have to give you your money back. That's new. That has not been true since 1970s when the money market funds were invented. It is true today. Very recent change. So money, so money in my money market account can just vanish. Well, the first thing I would say, Kim, you you don't have money in your money market account. What do you have? You have a money market account, but it's not money. It's a relationship. It's a contractual relationship with a broker. And the SEC just changed the rules saying they don't have to give you your money when you want it. Why did they they do that? Yeah, why? Why why all this? I'll tell you why. Because the last time in 2008, everybody did what you would expect. They ran down, they called their brokers, they called the money market funds, and they said, give me my money. And they had to do it. And the problem was, where was the money coming from? Well, that money was basically bank liabilities in the form of commercial paper and other short-term obligations, some other liquid obligations. And then those people couldn't roll over. And all the corporations that relied on commercial paper, they were going to go bankrupt. The whole system was imploding. This is when Ben Bernanke and Hank Paulson, Secretary of the Treasury at the time, and Bernanke, Fed Chairman, went to the White House and said, Mr. President, you have to, shut, you have to basically bail everybody out or the system's going to collapse. But here's the difference, Kim. The best definition of a financial panic is everybody wants his money back. You know, people have, they say, I have money in stocks, money in bonds, money in real estate. No, you don't. You have stocks, bonds, and real estate, but you don't have money. If you want money, you've got to sell them and get your money back. If everyone's selling at the same time, the system is imploding, prices are collapsing, your money's disappearing in front of your eyes. So it's basically a run on the system. A run on the system. Now, here's the, here's the difference there, Robert. In 1998 and 2008, when everybody wanted their money back, they got their money back because they printed the money. But now they can't do that anymore because they, they've never normalized their balance sheet. So the next time they're going to say, you can't have your money. Well, let me ask you this. Why can't, can't they just keep printing? Well, uh, you tell me. I mean, they, the, the last time the, the Fed went from, uh, in 2008 until today, the Fed took their balance sheet from $800 billion to over $4 trillion dollars. So the educated public market will say, that's enough. You can't do that anymore. Correct. And it, it's all about confidence. I'm, I'm not saying I know right. the exact dollar amount. Nobody does, but that's the point. But what my concern is that my concern is that Janet Yellen and the people running the central banks don't think about it that way. They actually think they can print as much as possible. That's but what I thought, from, yeah. We all know. Well, legally they can. I don't dispute that. But uh, psychologically, there's a limit, and they're going to hit that limit. Once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Day Radio Show. Our special guest today is New York Times bestselling author James Rickards. His latest book is The Road to Ruin, The Global Elite Secret Plan for the Next Financial Crisis. So once again, what does mom and pop do? So let me say I'm mom and pop. I'm making 100000 a year. I have some money in my house. I owe, I'm, I've got to make mortgage payments. I have kids to feed. You know, I have 20000 in cash in the bank. And you're going to say they're going to freeze it all? 
What do I do? Well, um, at twenty thousand dollars, you're probably okay because um, that isn't within the insured limit. So anything uh, under two hundred fifty thousand dollars is insured. That's so they'll probably, they'll still honor that. I think they'll honor up to the insurance limit, but okay. over two hundred fifty thousand, definitely not. And this is what we're seeing today in Germany with Deutsche Bank, which is yeah, the little depositor is okay. But remember, Robert, if it's twenty thousand dollars in the bank, that's okay. If it's twenty thousand dollars in a money market fund. Don't think of that as a bank equivalent. That can be frozen. If it's $20,000 in the stock market, that can be shut down. So, uh, yeah, a, a bank deposit a below the insured limit, that's probably safe. But if, you have, if you're in stocks or bonds or money market or other financial instruments in other parts of the system, that may not be safe. So our guest today is James Rickard, New York Times bestselling author. His latest book is The Road to Ruin the global elite secret plan for the next financial crisis. And this is what the, is, the blurb says about the road to ruin. In preparation, the global elites have been noiselessly, silently hoarding cash and hard assets over the past two years. Even now, legally unorthodox regulations are sliding quietly into place that allow regulatory agencies to freeze all assets with a few keystrokes in a self-proclaimed emergency. So we want to talk to Jim Records again. It's a fantastic guy. They call him the super spooky smart, not super smart, spooky smart. But he is super smart. He's super smart. <laughs> but the thing is, is what does that mean to mom and pop, let's say entrepreneur, let's say I own a pizza company, I got 10 employees, I have payroll to me. Now, let's say I can't make that payroll, then what happens to people like Kim and I who rent to the 10 employees? And the, the, and the trickle-down effect or the domino effect from all this. So Jim's going to talk about what's happened with the global, elite, global elites, but we want to know what's going to happen to you and me. So any comments there, Jim? The good news is um, uh, you can see this coming. Now, the bad news is some uh, pretty bad things, pretty dire things are coming, a worse crash than what we had in 2008. The good news is because we can see it coming, you can prepare today. You don't have to be a victim. So for the small businessman or for the uh, businesswoman or for the individual, I'd recommend a couple of things. Number one, don't have more than $250,000 in any one bank. So if you've got 250000 in, uh, you know, uh, Citibank or Bank of America or Wells Fargo, we just uh, moved out of Wells Fargo. <laughs> I'm only yeah, kidding. Only kidding. Not, 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 uh, I had too many accounts there for some reason. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, but if you have more than that, you know, a lot of businesses do for working capital and other reasons. Uh, open up another account at a different bank, and that way you've got insurance on both of them. Don't go over 250. So that's one thing. Uh, number two, um, don't think of money market funds as money. I think a bank deposit at a good bank, less than $250,000, that's about as safe as you can get. But money market funds are going to be frozen in the next panic. So don't treat your money market fund as a money equivalent. It's not. It's got a lot of risk that people don't, uh, don't understand. That's number two. Number three, um, good idea to have what's called a monster box. Uh, no, that's a, it's a funny name, but a monster box comes from the U.S. Mint. It's a sealed strong box. It's treasury green, very attractive looking. It's all sealed up. Inside are 500 one-ounce silver coins. Uh, these are American silver eagles. They're 99.99% pure fine silver. Uh, as I say, mint quality, bullion quality. They come in tubes of 20, and you've got 25 tubes in the box. Uh, so 500 
uh, one ounce coins. Now, by the way, just to be clear, I'm not a coin dealer. I don't get a commission on this. I recommend it for safety reasons, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not in the business of uh, selling silver coins. But to me, it's like having a battery and flashlights. You know, I, I happen to live uh, along the Atlantic coast, and we get hurricanes, and I've got oil lamps and batteries and flashlights and things. You know, for when the power goes out. So a monster box, if things were really bad, if they actually did shut down the banks, which has happened before, by the way, um, and we've seen it happen recently in Europe, and uh, you could always walk up and say, well, okay, here's, uh, you know, here's two, uh, two tubes, there's 40 silver coins, there's 80 ounces, uh, $20 an ounce, that's 1600 bucks. here's your paycheck this week. You know, people might be, uh, I, I realize that's an extreme scenario, but people might be grateful to have it. And Kim and I love those monster boxes. There's also yellow ones and there's green ones, and they're really pretty. Yeah, they are. But, but we keep them far away from our house also uh-huh. in a private uh, place. That's the best way to do it, private uh, private storage, uh, but not, not in a bank. And, and Jim, Jim, what about what about gold? Gold is a good way to preserve wealth. Now, now the, the problem with uh, uh, an ounce of gold, it's really valuable. So if you ever got to an extreme situation, which you cannot rule out, sadly, where you had to uh, kind of exchange gold or silver coins for groceries to get food for your family. A gold coin's almost too much. It's, that could be like a year's worth of groceries. You know, and you picture people with a little file chipping off a little piece of gold. That's where the silver comes in. Silver is more valuable for that transaction. By the way, throughout American history, the silver dollar was legal tender. I mean, that was how people paid, th- paid for things. Um, gold is, uh, is a little too expensive for simple transactions, but it's excellent as a store of wealth. I recommend 10% to gold. But, you know, this that leaves 90% for, you know, all the other things, stocks, bonds, bank accounts, and other things that we're talking about. But I think 10% gold will serve you well. Let me ask you one, one last question, because we also had Harry Dent on this program, mm-hmm. and he's calling for $250 gold. And right. I, I listen, and you, you're calling 10000 in the 10, new case for gold. Yeah. And I listen to both sides. Your side makes sense, and I haven't been able to make sense of Harry Dent's side. Does it make sense what he's saying to you? Well, let me uh, let me say a kind word about Harry. First of all, I've met Harry. He's a great a great guy. We've had debates, and uh, on exactly this issue. Now, here, here's where we part ways. Harry has a deflationary case. I agree that the world wants to deflate. So everything Harry Dent says about the tendency towards deflation is correct. But here's what he's missing. Governments cannot have deflation. Deflation increases the real value of the debt. If our problem is too much debt relative to the size of the economy, and if deflation increases the value of the debt, which it does, then you can't have deflation. So if we didn't have central bank intervention, would the world deflate the way Harry's describing? Yes, it would. But what he's missing is the central banks won't allow it. They will cause the inflation. Now, they haven't been able to do it yet. I'll I'll grant that. We've had eight years of kind of this... uh, it's like two uh, plates pushing against each other. We haven't had the earthquake yet. So Harry's right about deflation, but what he's missing is the governments are going to get deflation no matter what it takes. And when that deflation comes, it'll spin out of control, and you will get the $10,000 gold. So you're calling actually for what some people call helicopter money. They'll just print it. Correct. And and people don't – you know, helicopter money is a nice, uh, colorful metaphor. They picture – uh, this is what Ben Bernanke said. You know, we print up a bunch of money, we throw it out of helicopters, it lands on the street, people scoop it up, and they go out and spend it. Well, that's the metaphor, but how do, they, how do you actually do it? Of course, that's not what they actually do. Helicopter money means you combine monetary policy and fiscal policy. Fiscal policy is deficit spending. So in the simplest form, the, go- they say, the government's saying, look, if people won't spend money, 
we will, right? The government's really good at spending money. We know that. So they spend more. They, they increase the deficit. The Treasury then goes out and borrows the money to cover the deficit. And the Federal Reserve buys the bonds by printing money. So now you're combining big spending by the Congress, and they finance the spending with bonds that the Fed buys with printed money. So you're, you're not just printing money, but you're using it to uh, increase deficit spending. And when the Fed buys those bonds, they promise not to sell them. They just tuck them away in their balance sheet and keep it there forever. So, um, so that's coming because money printing today is not working. Uh, they're printing a lot of money. They're printing trillions of dollars. But the way they do it, they buy bonds from the banks. They pay for the bonds with printed money. And then the banks take the money and put it back at the Federal Reserve. So the money doesn't go anywhere. It goes to the banks and then back to the Fed. The money's not out there circulating. So that's not working. Once again, I'm Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show. And our guest today is James Rickards, New York Times bestselling author and economist. His new book, The Road to Ruin, The Global Elite Secret Plan for the Next Financial Crisis. So, Jim, let me ask you. So the stock market is closed. ATMs are shut down. Money market funds are, are frozen. Um, negative interest rates. Can't get cash. How long is that happening? And when they do restart the system, what's it look like? Great question. Well, first of all, when all these things happen, they will use the word temporary. But remember, <laughs> August 15, 1971, when Richard Nixon closed the gold window, he said, I am temporarily suspending uh, redemption of dollars for gold. He didn't think it was going to be permanent. He actually thought it was going to be temporary, but it didn't turn out that way. Forty-six years later, that window is still closed. So when these things happen, exactly as you described, Kim, all the authorities are going to say, we're temporarily shutting the banks, we're temporarily closing the ATMs, et cetera. But they're going to find out that they can't reopen it very quickly. That's where the, you know, the monster boxes and some cash on the side and the things we're talking about are going to come in handy. But when they do, what they will, what they will do, you'll have a 5 or maybe $10 trillion SDR issue. The IMF will, on an emergency basis, issue this world money. We won't have it in our pockets. This is not walking around money. This is country money. But then those countries will have it, and then they'll be able to get dollars and start opening the banks. And little by little, it'll reopen. But it will be highly inflationary. So you'll still have your dollars, but they'll be like Mexican pesos. It'll be a local currency used, like I say, for walking around. But mm. it won't be the world currency anymore, that, not the way it is today. So it would be devalued. How, 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 do you have an idea of how much the, the well, USR would be devalued? I, do. I think it would be 80 or 90 percent. I mean, look at what wow. happened in, uh, wow. in the 1970s. So, but August 1971, gold was $35 an ounce. By uh, January 1980, it was $800 an ounce. So there you have a, a 2,000 percent uh, increase in the in the price of gold, and that's the equivalent of an eighty percent devaluation of the dollar. So I would look for a you know fifty to eighty or ninety percent devaluation of the dollar. We'll still have dollars; they just won't be worth very much. The next question to you is: a lot of the uh, anti-gold guys say that well, they confiscated gold, and they're going to do the same thing again. What is your comment on confiscation of gold? I, I don't think it'll happen. And they might talk about it. You know, the Congress talks about a lot of things, but a couple of things are different. Number one, in 1933, when that happened, uh, there was a lot of trust in government and a lot of a strong sense of, you know, we're all in this together. We've got to pull together. And people kind of went along with it. I think that's all, that's all been lost for other reasons. The country is very bitterly divided. Um, nobody trusts the government on either side, but then people are not going to go along with it. There's certainly a lot of members of Congress who would stand in the way. This is the most negative question I have to ask you, because you did currency wars, and which I agree with, the real wars and money today. And yet the, you know, the drum beats of war are beating. And a lot of times war is a distraction from the problems at home. 
What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think historically that's true. When, uh, whenever countries have uh, social disorder, social stress, uh, they need to kind of pull the country together. Uh, you know, foreign adventures, foreign wars uh, are a way to do that. So historically that's an accurate observation. Now, today um, the, the real uh, danger, of course, is cyber uh, warfare in, in general and cyber financial warfare in particular. What I would say, Rob, this is already happening. Uh, Cyber financial warfare is not some science fiction scenario of the future. It's happening now. Uh, In 2010, the Department of Homeland Security and FBI found a Russian attack virus in the NASDAQ stock market operating system. This was not a criminal gang trying to get your credit card numbers. This was actually a zero-day phenomenon where they uh, were penetrating the system so they could shut it down. Well, they found that one and disabled it, but how many are still out there? waiting to happen. And we, we do the same thing, by the way. The U.S. Is, has good offensive capability in this dimension. So the point being, we're primed for a, a, a knockdown, drag out cyber war. It doesn't have to be a shooting war. And again, investors and exchanges and banks are right in the line of fire. Final words for our listeners. Don't be a victim. Uh, we can see this coming. Uh, I'm very, very appreciative and grateful for those who uh, buy my new book, The Road to Ruin, but it's all there. Everything we've talked about in the show, Robert and Kim, and a lot more, a lot more detail, and everything is documented. I don't make claims without backing it up with analysis or facts or references or documentation. I don't even like debating claims, because anybody can claim anything, and a lot of people do, but if you can't back it up, uh, then I don't have, I don't take it that seriously. So the thing about the book is that all the footnotes, there are 151 footnotes. There are scores of pages of references. It's all there. And the point I would make is that this isn't, these, uh, these are not futuristic scenarios. I'm talking about things happening in the future, but the future is here today. You can see it. Don't be a victim. Read the book, and you'll be warned, and you'll be prepared. Amen. Once again, I thank you to uh, James Records. He's a New York Times bestselling author and economist. His latest book, The Road to Ruin, The Global Elite Secret Plan, for the next financial crisis, I can't wait to read the book. And when that guy speaks, it's like a fire hose coming at you. And like I said, the thing I love about Jim, he's not an academic. I mean, he is smart, but he's also done things like LTCM, long-term capital management. He's worked for the Pentagon on currency wars. And he is actively out there doing things that the very few people get to do. So that's why he's spooky smart. So the Rich Dad Radio Show is about the good news and bad news about money. You can listen to this program at your time and your schedule. And all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. And we archive them because repetition is how we learn. So for those of you who listen to this program and you have friends and family that, that need to, let's say, get up to speed pretty quickly, I would ask you to sit down with them, download this program, listen to it, discuss it, and discuss it, and discuss it. So this is the Ask Robert section of the program. You can submit your questions to askrobert at richdadradio.com. And once again, thanks to our, our guest, James Ricketts. Any further comments, Kim? Well, I would just say listen to this show again because James gave us three things. I'm not going to tell you what they are because you can go listen to them again. But there's three very simple things you can do to prepare for what's coming, but you can actually take control and do these three simple things. And James Rickards' website, if you want to find out more, is jamesrickards, R-I-C-K-A-R-D-S, project.com. So, Melissa, what's our first question? Our first question today comes from Samuel, favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. says, you say that money is no longer money, that it is backed by debt. What does that mean, and what is the effect as a result? Well, I would look that up. 
Okay, we mentioned it today in three different segments here. We talked about in 1944, the dollar became the reserve currency of the war. That was called the Bretton Woods Agreement. And then in 1971, Nixon broke that agreement and he took the dollar off the gold standard and then it became a bond, basically debt. You could print as much money as you want and the world economy took off. But we're at the end of the line right now. So that's why what what uh, James Rickards wrote about in the new case for gold is they're going to have a new Bretton Woods Agreement. Once again, the Bretton Woods Agreement was in 1944. So he's also said that every 30 years, there are new agreements for money. So a new agreement was made on September 30th, 2016. And the average person is completely clueless. They've got their head in the sand and they really don't really know what's going on. So I know I could answer the question for you, but I think that's being lazy. I think it's important for you to read a little bit of history, 1944, 1977, I mean 1971, and here we are today, September 30th, 2016. China just joined the round table. And as Jim wrote about in a new case for gold, China has the gold now. And then the bricks are coming into power. That means the hegemony or the operating power of the United States is toast. It doesn't make a difference if Republicans or Democrats win. America is the end it's the end of the line for America too. We'll be around for a number of years. But if you think that any politician can save your job and your future, you better think again. Melissa, next question. Our next question comes from Ashley in Florida. Her question is what is the best way to store gold and silver? Okay, that's another thing, too. You go look that up yourself, because if I tell you and somebody steals it, you'll be angry at me. <laughs> As James Brickett says, don't be an effing victim. You know what I mean? Don't just sit there and expect somebody to give you the answer. Somebody gave you the answer a long time ago. It was go to school, get a job, save money, invest for the long term in the stock market, and see where that got you. Okay, so look, if you're going to store gold, you better ask yourself, now how in the world, you know, if, if I can't trust my bank and I really shouldn't keep it at home, what other sources are there? Like in America, there's a thing called Brinks, but there are sources that the rich store gold in all over the world. Go visit one. You know, Kim and I went to the Singapore airport, and it's a very interesting, should we say, rich guy kind of bank. It's like a Fort Knox. It's a Fort Knox. It's a private runway, and these little private jets come taxiing up. And all of a sudden, the the jet's door opens, this rich guy steps out, and stuff gets stored. Outside the bank, outside with government sanctions, perfectly legal. And I think that's what's really, to me, the crisis in the world today, and especially America. Americans have such a poor mindset. They have no idea what the rich are doing. They have no idea. You know, they're on on the debate with Hillary and Donald, Hillary attacks Donald and says, you don't pay any federal income tax. And and Trump says, because I'm smart. And now that upset every poor middle-class person around. Yet, according to the rich, Donald is smart when it comes to taxes. So you, ladies and gentlemen who are listening, you gotta ask yourself, do you have a poor mindset, middle-class mindset, or rich mindset? If you don't know where to hide gold and silver, find out where the rich are hiding it. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Nick in New Zealand. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. 
He says when the housing market changes and you can no longer get a good percent income to investment ratio, what do you see as the best way forward? Well, I tell you what, if what records is saying is true, your racer was gone. It's toast. It's it's venused. So that's why with Kim and I, we can't let Kim talk about. We always start with gold and silver. We don't we don't save money. Anything printed, like the U.S. dollar, the yen, the peso, the euro, a stock certificate, a money market certificate, an ETF or mutual fund, don't trust it. You know, get out of that stuff right now. So the point here is this: you better find out what you can trust. So Kim and I. Since we've met, we save gold and silver. Because if we're wrong in our predictions and our little formulas, you know, that they teach you, if we're wrong, gold and silver will still be around. That's the big difference. So Kim and I became multimillionaires not by saving cash, but by sort of saving gold and silver in those little green and yellow boxes. Any comments? Yeah, I like that Rickards talked about the monster boxes, green boxes of silver. And I thought it was interesting. And yellow. I like and yellow, yellow, too. But I thought it was interesting, you know, if all comes to hell and they do seize everything and they shut down the banks and everything, the silver could be a way to buy your groceries from week to week. Did, it did might, I say that? You did say that. You did say that. And we have For plenty years. of that. Um, and he, also, it's really about... What do you do to preserve your wealth? Because if you listen to the show, Rickard said, you really do not own money. You don't own it. You don't own currency because they're changing the rules all the time. So how can you preserve your wealth? And he talked about gold and silver. He talked about real estate. He talked about fine art. He mentioned fine art for a minute. I don't know anything about fine art, but well, that's a fascinating wants to market. My, my paintings. That's no, the I don't problem. think our I don't think our artwork's going to save us. But gold and silver, and especially silver, when this crisis happens, could be phenomenally valuable. And so there's simple things. It's not rocket science. There's simple no. things you could do today to preserve your wealth and to prepare for what's coming. It's simple. It's not rocket science. I think that I want to let people know it's time you start thinking like rich people. It's time you know, to if start you went thinking. to college and you have your MBA and your master's degree, you know what I mean? You're thinking like a poor person. If you're thinking of working for a job and saving money and paying your taxes and investing for the long term in the stock market, you're in serious serious financial trouble today. You know, so like Kim, you know, Kim's been the best trooper, you know. We fly around the world. We look at safe places where you can hide your money, where the rich hide their money and stuff like that. Legally, everything is done legally. It's all above board. You can go online. You can learn about it. We don't pay taxes. We're going to have a program with Kenny McElroy, Rich Dad Advisor, and Tom Wheelwright on how we don't pay taxes legally. But as you know, the American public just goes wacko when Trump says, well, when Hillary accuses Trump of not paying any taxes, and Trump says, I'm smart, but the poor middle class and the poor American poor, they think that's criminal. That is how financially naive America has gotten. And it's because of the teachers of America. They're like my poor dead. They think poor. They want job security. They save money. They want a pension. If you listen to the Rich Dad radio show, your pensions are the biggest risk today because of negative interest rates. If CalPERS, which is the largest, and we had this on a program a few days ago, CalPERS, the largest government pension fund in America, is underwater because CalPERS, those idiots who run that program, based their projections upon 7.5% or something like that return on their money, and lately they haven't been able to get 1% because of negative interest rates. 
and what records said today, negative interest rates are coming. In other words, it's going to get worse for savers and for pensioners. So if you're sitting there going, oh, no, 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 Mr. Obama will save me or Trump will save me, you better listen to another program because that's not what Rich Dad is saying. Rich Dad Radio Show is for people who want to stop thinking like poor people. So once again, I thank you for your questions. I know I'm being a little rough, but let me tell you something. I am concerned about your future. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.